gentlemen, welcome your beautiful ears to another episode of the Pineapple Theory Podcast. Today we're doing an Ahsoka show breakdown, and I believe this is going to be coming out directly before, like the day of that you can, well maybe not in the UK actually, but it's coming out on the Tuesday, um, so I made it as close as possible to the finale coming out, but not being out yet, so people could have a listen to this, gather their thoughts. Um, we've been doing the Ahsoka shows two by two, but I just thought, I know we're going to have to deep dive into the uh, finale by itself. So I debated on how to do this. Um, it's been a, a bit of a nightmare weekend. Uh, we were supposed to be away. And then McKinley, unfortunately, came down with the, the dreaded COVID. So it's been a, it's been a lockdown, <laughs> sort of self-isolating weekend. We didn't get to go away on our trip, see family, which is a shame. But uh, I luckily so far, touch wood, haven't gotten the COVID. But... Uh, McKinley has um, so yeah it's just been a bit of a been a bit of a weekend but been putting this off also just because I didn't really know how to how to do this um, but I've come up with a plan and what we're going to do is this so I'm going to break down the Ahsoka episode 7 um, as we normally would but then I'm not gonna go into too many crazy conspiracy theories like we did in the last episode i think the last episode was a lot of fun really deep dived into a lot of things but it was also deep diving in a lot into sort of more ahsoka's past as opposed to sort of the future um and i'm concerned that when we did the book of boba fett as john mentioned in the last episode we we came up with some pretty good theories about what could happen and then we came up with too good of a theory as to what might happen to where the actual finale episode therefore sort of left us a little bit wanting and a little bit more disappointed on and made the whole show to be honest a little bit more disappointing um but what i've done in sort of preparation thinking that is i've actually started re-watching the book of boba fett and i have to say it some time away going back and just enjoying it for what it is it's so much better now than it than it was when we were watching it episode by episode. Um, didn't live up to our hype, but once you step back from that, go back, watch it, it's very much enjoyable and, and a great thing. So just with that in mind, again, for this one, we're going to do our standard breakdown. But when, when it comes to the end, I'm going to say a couple things to embellish and, and further add some depth to what I said last week. But I'm not going to try and predict what happens in the next episode. I'm just more going to give a gentle hint to what I spoke about last time, and I'm also going to give a quick update on what is coming in the future of Star Wars and as much as shows and movies that we know for sure are happening. Um, so that's how we're going to do this. So I hope that's all right with everyone. Um, I hope everyone enjoys the finale. I'm sure it's going to be pretty good. I don't think we're getting all the answers to every single question that's popped up, but there's there's answers coming. I know that much for sure. Um even though I don't know that much. I <laughs> just hope, really. But anyway, that's what being a Star Wars fan is. It's a lot of hope. Um, all right, let's get into this. So, season one, episode seven. Obviously, this is... I don't. That's the wrong button. This is spoilers for everything Star Wars. We do know. You don't know. If you don't know, then it's a spoiler. So, spoiler warning. No. I am your father. What? Wonderful. All right. Spoilers. Here we go. 
So we dive into the episode. The episode is called um, Dreams and Madness. Um, and that's a throwback straight to what Balin has quoted earlier in the series. And I think that this is, even though he's barely in it, this is quite a heavy Balin episode. I think that's where the whole, the most interesting part of this episode is to me is still on Balin. Um, but we'll get there. So we open up though. And honestly, when I first watched this episode through, I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, why are we on Coruscant? Like, I just don't care. This is not why we're watching the show, um, is for this stupid Republic uh, sort of back and forward. And I was quickly <laughs> quickly uh, wrong about that because I really enjoyed this scene. Um, so yeah, Hera, uh, we open up with Hera and she must answer to the New Republic whilst far far away uh, a reunion takes place that's the description of the episode um and yeah we open up on coruscant Hera is facing a court of some kind um and there's this police uh, politician who i call the pissy politician um but his real name is ziono uh but the pissy politician and Hera are clashing as they did before and he is determined to shut down the idea that she keeps popping up about Imperials still being in the galaxy and forming a new empire that would pose a threat to their new republic. Um, Captain Teva, really interesting quote here, says, what about the conflict on Mandalore? And pissy politician Ziono says, exactly my point. Gideon was a warlord acting on his own. Um, there is no proof of a greater conspiracy and thus no immediate threat to this republic. And that's really fucking interesting because like it pins us nicely on a timeline of exactly where this is so we know that um that uh, captain Tava has known about the conflict on mandalore so that's season three of uh well ah crap damn it now i'm, I'm double guessing myself i think it's i think it should be season three um, but he also could possibly be referring to the purge on Mandalore. Uh, damn it! I'm gonna. I'm. I don't want to spin that thread. I'm fairly certain we're talking about season three of the Mandalorian. So let's go with that. Um, General Sindula is suggested to be court-martialed by Ziono. Um, but then we hear a very familiar voice, and it's C3PO, and he just turned this scene around in my favor. So thank God um here uh yeah he is here on behalf of senator leia organa and he has a data transcript which says leia approved the move to satos um she didn't know that the pissy politician disapproved and that he didn't inform her so not only is c3po coming in with the saving grace he's also coming in with a telling off to ziono um that he has to report to leia organa who is now the um leader of the defense council so it's not only a slap in the face, it's a slap in the face and also kiss the ring, um, which was just um, incredible. Great to see. Loved that. Um, it's also, I think, using C-3PO as a way to include Leia is fantastic. Like, obviously, Carrie Fisher is no longer with us, so the use of Leia's character going forward is up for debate as to whether they continue, I guess, doing the, um, you know, the, the, the CGI sort of like face reconstruction or if they go for a new actor. Um, I'm all in favor of a new actor. The, the CGI face reconstruction thing, I just, I just don't think 
I don't think there's a future there. I think once or twice for a quick cameo here and there is fine, but like if you're going to bring a character back in, just new actor, they should have on reflection on Mandalorian, they should have a hundred percent just gone for a new actor. Um, I get that the impact would have been less, but I think that yeah, if the if the character is going to have a whole episode, they need to be an actual actor, not just a CGI face reconstruction. So. Love, excuse me, how rude to you on the podcast. I don't even want to tell you what time it is right now, but it is definitely midnight. <laughs> and I'm very tired. And it's been a long weekend. And I'm back to work tomorrow morning. Fun. Uh, anyway, um, sorry, very rude. Let's get back into this. C-3PO kicking ass and Leia being included. Incredible. Um, Mon Mothma then needs to know how serious the Thrawn threat threat is. That's a hard one. Thrawn threat Thrawn threat is. Um, we have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, is what she says. And then we cut to the intro, and that's all we get to see of the uh, boring politics stuff. And as I said, they they found a way to make it entertaining, so pretty well done there. Um, we then cut to Ahsoka, and she is training in hyperspace, um, still inside the Purgle. Uh, and she's playing a hologram of Anakin at the same time. Uh, Anakin in his Clone Wars outfit once again, and I love it. Like, it's so good seeing him in that outfit. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. It just it just is. It's the best outfit for him, and it's just, it just brings back so much for me. So, yeah, Clone Wars, Anakin, seeing him is is great and the hologram is pretty cool the size ventress gets mentioned so put her name into live action it's official she's finally made it another awesome character from the clone wars um yeah and she's uh we find out there are 20 more of these recordings and ahsoka says the line he was a good master and that to me just fully is 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 showing that yes yeah, she's gotten her closure ahsoka the white is uh fully closed closure wise on her issues that she had with Anakin and can acknowledge that he was a good master and sort of accepts who he once was um and it's something I think just in general it's like such a life lesson like I remember learning this at some point um along the way definitely after like school and everything that people can be in your lives for a certain amount of time in a certain part of who they are um and and that's all people don't have to be in your lives from start to finish and you know people come and go but it's it's always important to remember who they were when you needed them to be someone um and yeah just great life lesson here that she is uh she's finally getting closure with her master and acknowledging that he was good um it's pretty cool as she puts away the 20 recordings i would note that on the wall there there is so many lightsabers um later on in this episode we have an issue where oh there's only one lightsaber what we have to share um we have a whole fucking shipload of of lightsabers they can start handing them out to those little shell aliens at the end there they can all get a lightsaber there's there's a lot and this ship is packing heat (laughs) oh dear don't record late at midnight there's some stuff that i'm gonna say moving on um yeah fun joke about the odds of the whales taking them to the right galaxy from hugh yang um i really enjoyed that i'm loving hugh yang as a character i hope to god nothing happens to him the guy's twenty five thousand years old like don't you dare kill him off in this show uh but yeah some good good comedy back and forward there 
We then open up and they arrive in the new galaxy to a Finding Nemo minefield. And if you've ever watched the movie, you'll know what I'm on about. But if you've ever played the Game Boy Advance Finding Nemo game, the bomb level is like insanely difficult. Um, but also one of the best games on Game Boy Advance. So enjoy that. But yeah, uh, quick note here. No whales were harmed in the making of this show. I messaged Dave Filoni myself, and he confirmed this. So no whales were harmed during the making of the show, and we don't see any whales drop dead from this minefield. Um, they jump away to hyperspace, and fair play to them. I would do the same fucking thing. Uh, yeah, so we're glad to see no whales were harmed. So that's great. Um, on approach, they have to hide. Once they get through the minefield, they hide in the whale graveyard as a bunch of fighter pilots come and start attacking them. Um, we then cut to Thrawn, who finds out that Ahsoka has entered into the new universe. And I pulled these two quotes from Morgan and Thrawn. So Morgan says, here is everything the Inquisitorial database had on her. Um, as to how Morgan has access to the Inquisitorial database, I really don't know. Like, and where is she, she pulling this information from? She's She's got this on her hyperspace ring ship, and then she's just printing off a copy and giving it to Thrawn? Or is it on Thrawn's ship, and he just, like, never thought to, like, look up Ahsoka? Like, that's possible, too. Um, but, yeah, it makes the most sense to me that it would be on Thrawn's ship, um, but then why he wouldn't be, like, reading up on this? I don't know. It's, it's just strange that he doesn't know about Ahsoka in general. I mentioned that in the last episode, but it's really weird because he knows about Anakin becoming Darth Vader. So you think that he would, like, he would, like, really look into Anakin. I mean, there's a possibility that Anakin as Darth Vader, him and Palpatine, maybe once he, he turned, they deleted, like, Anakin's file, I guess. Excuse me, I'm so sorry for the yawns. Um, maybe he deleted the file and he, like, you know, covered their tracks about Ahsoka uh, having, like, a Padawan kind of thing. But Thrawn then comes back after Morgan says, here's everything the Inquisitorial database has on her. Thrawn says her master was General Anakin Skywalker, and he's genuinely, like, shocked. Um, Morgan confirms this. Um, and then, yeah, he then completely changes his tactics and plans based on this information, which is just great. This episode does the best thing it does other than the intrigue about what's going to happen to Balin, the best thing this episode does to me is like really hammers home who Thrawn is. Um, this tactical genius of a man, alien person. And uh, like it, it's just great seeing it. Um, and there's tons of examples which I'm going to mention coming up. Um, the Anuk, uh, that's his Captain of the Guard hologram is there and... It's weird. Like, it's not like a normal hologram. I originally thought it was like a, a gassy green sort of smoke thing that the uh, the just the uh, mothers were projecting. But I guess it is a hologram. It just looks very strange, and I don't know why. Like, what, what techno... Like, we're on Thrawn's ship at this point, so, like, why does he have weird holographic technology all of a sudden? Like, they just... I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a weird like way that they decided to do it but it's strange and i don't know why um yeah so Inuk's hologram is weird um and then yeah i love hearing again thrawn just talking out loud his tactics like i didn't write them all down but just incredible 
We then cut away to Sabine and Ezra, and she has uh, filled him in on all the galaxy news that he's missed. Um, and in summary of what they say, the Empire was defeated, the Emperor died. And I pulled this quote from Sabine saying, that's what people say, because, you know, just a big freaking <laughs> heads up to the rise of Skywalker that everyone already knows that Emperor's still around. And she's just like, yeah, that's what people say, I guess. You know, people say he died. I don't know. Maybe he didn't die. Hint, hint. Um, yeah, then says, uh, there's a new Republic and Zeb is training new recruits. And just a quick note on Zeb, because I know that people who have watched Rebels will be wondering where Zeb is. Um, I heard this on another podcast, but I think 100% that's definitely the reason why he's not in the show. We saw Zeb very briefly at the end of Obi-Wan or Andor. Damn it, I'm blanking on that. Sorry. Is that, is that in the end of Obi-Wan or Andor? No. Fucking all of that's completely wrong. Sorry, everyone. End of Mandalorian Season 3, we see... Um, uh, Zeb with um Captain Tava uh at some point. Yeah, he's he's in the bar, wherever that rebel thing is. Anyway, the whole point of this was saying that another podcast mentioned that the reason that Zeb isn't in this is because in to do in live action, he's a lot of CG money to to make him look the way he looks. Uh he's obviously very alien like and huge and just yeah, he would cost a lot of money to film a whole series with him in. So them just saying he's off training new recruits is their simple way of saying, look, we don't have the, the budget to put him in this. We're not going to spend that money or time or effort. So, yeah, Zeb's away on convenience reasons. Um, we then have, yeah, Hara is command of the new fleet. And there's absolutely no mention in this conversation of or any conversation so far about Kanan. Um and if you know, you know, obviously spoilers-wise, um, I'm not going to bring that up because I know that Jong doesn't know. Like, I know why there's no mention of Kanan right now, but, like, I feel like there also could be a mention of Kanan at some point. So I'm hoping there will be. Um, so, yeah, how as we then... Yeah, then just this freaking dance. This is the one criticism I have of this episode is this dance right here about how, like... She continues the f the stupidness of like just not mentioning how she got here, and I can't believe that they went through a whole conversation about updating on the galaxy's news, and he still like just allows her to not. He doesn't press her to know like how they're gonna get home or how she got here in the first place. Like that would drive me insane. Like I would just be like, look, tell me how. The like we're getting home like and how did you even get here like that's like huge information and you're just like oh well you know i'll tell you in a bit maybe probably not <laughs> like it just oh drives me insane that he doesn't know like just fucking tell him please it's driving me insane um yeah ahsoka um then took her on as an apprentice and that's sort of a distraction away from the the blaring topic of conversation um and then he asks, is Ahsoka coming? And she says, like, mm, and like not really anything. And then he goes, it's complicated. And she goes, yeah, it's complicated. Um, so she's just dismissing everything as it's complicated and giving him nothing. Uh, we then see Balin, Skull, and Shin arrive with the wild nomads sitting on their, like, wild wolves things. And that 
is is that's all that scene is and then thrawn and the great uh mothers um mention that well thrawn talks to the great mothers and is like hey we need to find ahsoka in that graveyard ring is there any chance you can guys can do that and they're like sure let me just throw up my magic balls around um that sounds like i didn't like this scene i really did like this scene i love everything to do with the mothers and the death Mary and the 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 sort of dark magic that they're using um really enjoying that and very cool that they can find the uh you know find ahsoka in the, in the whale graveyard thing um, we then cut to Ahsoka, who finds Sabine through the Force, and the mothers find Ahsoka at the exact same time. Sorry, I'm trying to pause the recording in between yawns, but some of them just attack me out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, pretty cool that, you know, Ahsoka finds Sabine through the Force, and the mothers find Ahsoka through the Find My iPhone app, and that leads us on to our first sponsor of the day, which is... Apple. Do you guys have an Apple iPhone? Because now there's a 15th one and you can get that and that would be amazing. So, just like the mothers here in the Star Wars universe, use the Find My iPhone app to find your friends that you want to kill. And <laughs> with the new Apple... Fi- Alright, stop that. Sorry, just making myself laugh. Moving on! The bombardment starts. Uh, Theron's just throwing the hammer down here and he's firing... I question what ship he's firing from. So he commands Enoch, captain of his guard, to fire on Ahsoka's location. But we know that his ship currently is doing the dirty with the with the ground tower thing. Like they're like attached and floating down there. So he's not shooting from within inside the planet. So therefore, it has to be the space ring. But isn't okay? I'm putting it together now. Inuk's hologram is weird because he's on the new ship and the new ship has weird new holograms and he's firing from the new ship. Boom. Solving it here alive, people. Even when I take notes, doesn't always mean I get it right there and then. But luckily, it clicked right there. That's exactly what's happening. Um, Balin then, uh, we cut to him and this is the most interesting part of the episode. Balin tells Shin to contact Thrawn kill Sabine and Ezra, then take her place in the coming empire. He says, your ambition drives you in one direction. My path lies in another. One parting lesson, Shin, impatience for victory will guarantee defeat. And it's interesting that this quote is there because it feels like the exact same lesson that I sort of was talking about Obi-Wan teaching Anakin in uh, the Obi-Wan series in the flashback. So Obi-Wan once again says... Your need for victory, Anakin, it blinds you. You're a great warrior, Anakin, but you need to prove it yourself. Uh, sorry, you need to prove yourself as your undoing. Until you overcome it, a Padawan, you will still be. And this is the lesson that he finally learns and then is, is thus taught to Ahsoka. And then we have Balin saying, one parting lesson, Shin, impatience for victory will guarantee defeat. It's just sort of all along the same vein, which is quite interesting. Um... But anyway, we're going to dive very quickly into a Balin theory. So based on the last week, if you listened to last week's episode, which I hope you did, I have this theory that Anakin is the new Mortis god, uh, the father, Ahsoka is the new daughter, and that Balin's skull is the new son. And I have this great pull quote thing, which again, credit to another podcast I listened to, and they, they found and did this research. Um... But the surname Skull and Hattie, so Balin Skull, Shin Hattie, 
Uh, they reference, actually, those names are referenced in North mythology. Um, a story of two wolves, ironic that it's wolves because of rebels and the, and the loaf wolf situation, which I won't get into here, but if you know, you know. Um, Skull chases the sun and Haiti or Hattie pursues the moon. Eventually, so two wolves in North myth- mythology, one chasing the sun, one chasing the moon. Eventually, they will catch their prey at Ragnarok, the self-proclaimed twilight of the gods, which will bring an end to all living things. So Ragnarok is another wolf, and that when he breaks his chains, he will swallow existence whole. So this, the North mythology is that there's these two wolves, one chasing the sun, one chasing the moon. They eventually will reach that, and when they do is the day that Ragnarok will break three of his chains and destroy existence. Um, so this like resetting existence is kind of what we think Balin wants to do, right? He talks in the past in different episodes about how he's wanting to, you know, there's this cycle that's just never ending and he wants to sort of like reset it in motion is sort of what we're sort of getting at. Um, so maybe he believes that he needs Shin to, to take the Empire route um, and that by Shin going with the Empire and then getting back to that galaxy will be Shin chasing the moon and he will go away and chase the sun and find whatever dark thing that he's looking for. I think he's looking for the world between worlds, but I'm not, you know, we don't know. Um, but yeah, it's just cool that their names mean sun and moon and that they're both chasing different things. And I think that this was his plan all along was to raise an apprentice, someone who can go and deal with the empire part, whatever they've got to do. And then he can deal with the other stuff. And but those two things colliding at the same time will release Ragnarok hypothetically, obviously just relating it to that, but like, we'll, we'll start this chain reaction of uh, resetting existence essentially. Um, also, you know, I've said it a bunch there. If you didn't pick up on it, you know, what are you doing? But maybe it's just a coincidence, but literally Skull, Balin Skull is his name, and Skull is the character in this North mythology wolf that means sun, which is spelled S-U-N as in the hot ball of fire in the sky. But the fact that it means Skull, sorry, Skull means sun, and also I'm claiming that he's going to become the sun, in like the 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 mortis realm i think that's too much of a coincidence so fingers crossed if i'm right i'm right if i'm wrong i'm wrong but either way fun little story all right back to the recap the nomads attack with shin two gunships on route from thrawn um one uh one little alien during the attack we see using a slingshot which is an amazing throwback to rebels and ezra's first ever weapon that we see uh, one goes down and Ezra immediately sort of halts them all to turn back and form a defensive circle around them, literally leave no man behind, which is incredible. I'm loving that. I love that Ezra is still all about sort of the the true good. Um, and I, I'd sort of said in previous episodes, I, th- I thought that Ezra might have turned sort of bad or turned himself off from the force or or any number of those things. And it's all wrong. Like, he is so strong in the Force. He is still exactly who he is. He's still very childlike. He's not matured that much. But uh, he's just this happy-go-lucky guy. And I also said in the last episode that Ezra didn't quite feel right. And I thought that that was because, like, he was going to be a bit different. He's been alone. He might have lost a screw or two. But no, in this episode, he felt exactly like Ezra from Rebels. So I was just picking up on a weird thing initially. Probably just a bit of shock. 
but this actor is doing an incredible job. This is 100% Ezra, and he doesn't seem any different from where we left off. Um, so that's great. Fun to see. Yeah, so they return back. Ahsoka finds um, them and is circling, and Balin notices her in the sky. Ahsoka then bails out of the ship, um, which is awesome to see, and immediately finds Balin, or does, is Balin sort of like waiting on her? Unclear. Either way, round two, ding, ding, ding. Here comes a fight between those two. We then have Shin, who moves in with the nomads again as as they formed their protective little circle. Um, they, uh, they, yeah, they sort of like Sabine and Ezra at this point go back and forward about the lightsaber. Like Sabine offers it, offers offers it to Ezra and says, "Hey, look, you gotta take your lightsaber." And he's like, "No, I gave it to you. It's fine. I'm strong in the Force. I don't need a weapon." And that just like that, like. It's very cool that he is fully, like, he's clearly been keeping up his training. If anything, he's stronger in the Force now than he ever was before. But it's, like, a huge 180. Because, like, Ezra is, like, the weapon dude. Like, as far as Jedi goes, he always had a blaster. He always had a slingshot. Like, he had a slingshot, then a blaster, then a lightsaber, which he also turned the hilt into a blaster. And then when he got rid of that lightsaber and gets this green lightsaber that now Sabine has, he still always fought with blasters on his hips and a lightsaber, like, which was rare. Like, he was he was always locked and loaded. So for him to be like, hey, I don't need a weapon. I'm just going to use the force here. Pretty darn cool, to be honest. Pretty baller move. Um, one alien then pounds a frying pan off the head of a stormtrooper and it just made me think of sam gamgee like fighting with frying pans and i don't know it just makes me laugh it's such a quick cut too and a great noise look out for that scene if you're re-watching it it's just uh, it's brilliant little touch um shin uh attacks out of nowhere and cuts his hair uh, so maybe he is a little bit rusty but also he then just uses the force to fight her and it's pretty cool we see a great little lightsaber holding maneuver which we've seen in a bunch of other stuff but just it's always cool whenever that happens um ahsoka uh fighting uh balin eventually gets a distraction from uh hu yang coming in and then she steals balin's little wolf thing and rides away um and a great scene here where balin like really ponders what to do like he's looking at ahsoka riding away and he looks in the opposite direction and he sort of looks down to his feet and he looks back in the opposite direction and starts walking that way. And I think he generally considered like he's weighing up sort of what he feels he has to do and what here he maybe wants to do. And as much as he sees Ahsoka riding off towards where Shin and knowing that Ezra's there, knowing that Sabine's there and Ahsoka's on the way. Like, he's probably looking down at the ground thinking, like, damn, like, I should probably go help, like, Shin, like, my Padawan, who he's definitely formed an attachment to. Like, wherever they're, wherever they're, you know, not true Jedi or whatever, dark Jedi, whatever you want to call them, like, uh, like, he's definitely formed an attachment there. And I think that he's really pondering here whether he's going to do the thing he has to do or whether he's doing the thing that maybe he should do. But he walks away from it all and continues on his, his Thanos-like mission. Um, so he's resolute in that. Um... But yeah, uh, Ahsoka steals Bill and she's on her way. And then back, uh, back arrives in cool Typhon. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the backup arrives in cool. I can't read my own notes there. When the backup arrives, their sort of like ship, the stormtroopers that they get off of, 
have these cool TIE fighter-like wing things. And I don't know if these are actual ships that were already on Thrawn's ship or whether these have been sort of like modded and like created to like to, to serve their new purpose. Um, if that's the case, that's really fucking cool. I love the idea of like them doing... DIY. I mean, they've DIY their armor. Why not their ships too, right? Uh, but yeah, just have a little look there. The little wings are like TIE fighters and it, that's pretty sick. Um Thrawn is still playing this game of chess and he's got his little holographic board or it's like watching him play Age of Empire or chess or something like that. Um, he notices as well in comments that Balin isn't there, um, which is interesting. We then, uh, the notes here are cutting back and forth all over the place as the action progresses. So sorry for the not following a single thread, just back and forth cuts, but that's how the show runs. So that's how the notes be. Um, we get a great, Ezra a little funny moment where they are cornered and he's like whoa you you know you could take us as prisoners taking us as prisoners that would be great and Shin's like nah kill them all but then Ahsoka comes out of nowhere um, and Ezra finally gets a blaster and starts shooting some peeps and the fight's going somewhat okay but I'd say they're, they're, they're pretty badly outnumbered here even when Ahsoka shows up um, but Thrawn then orders the retreat um, which is it's so cool to see, again, Thrawn just being Thrawn. Like, I don't remember ever the Empire, like, ordering a retreat. And it always seems like maybe sometimes they should. So this just Thrawn sticking to truly who he is and ordering the retreat is, is so refreshing to see and something something we haven't seen in Star Wars before. So Thrawn, uh, yeah, orders the retreat. Um, he says, without Lord Bailing, it's no good. But he does think that this was... Uh, uh, a first round victory for them and you might call it a success sorry you might call it a success morgan says i see only our enemies reunited and thrawn says let me show you what i see he then goes on to say that this was a great distraction whilst this was happening our cargo bay is now almost fully loaded with the mother's cargo which we still don't know what that is uh, and that they're soon to leave this terrible place um, he says ahsoka tano has lost the one thing she couldn't afford to lose today time Time is very much on our side now, and I shall keep it that way. So, again, just awesome that whilst the fight's happening, he's constantly thinking about the next, you know, one, two, three, five moves, whatever it might be. Um, and he is definitely ahead of the game at the minute. We see his little um, scout droid as well fly away and start ordering the retreat. And just great attention to detail there, because that's something that I would nitpick. I'd be like, how has he got this, like, hologram? of exactly where people are and moving pieces. How does he know Balin's not there? Uh, you know, you might just put it down to, oh, well, someone there is, like, sending them comms or whatever. But it seemed too accurate. But we get to see this little incredible scout drone thing fly away and start ordering the retreat noise. So very cool that they paid attention to that. Um, yeah, so she's uh, she's away. The little droid and then shin is left uh because she doesn't quite know the 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 retreat sound and that makes sense because she's only just showed up in this galaxy um but ahsoka offers her surrender her weapon and that she can help her but shin runs uh sorry runs and then rides away um following the ships so heading back to see thrawn ahsoka smiles at sabine which when she smiles it's like sort of a bit Soka gives a big smile and Sabine's like a little like uh, awkward initially but then when she sees her smile she's like oh thank god she's smiling uh she obviously thought she was dead um so it's kind of like a relieved smile I guess and a bit of disbelief um Ahsoka says the great line um and miss this reunion 
Um, and then hugs uh, Ezra. And Ezra then says, wait, I thought she was dead, meaning Ahsoka. And Sabine's like, oh, no, I guess I was wrong. Which doesn't quite follow the thing from earlier. Again, this whole, like, what she what she's not telling thing that is annoying me. Like, she doesn't, like... He, she mentions that she's now Ahsoka's apprentice. She's like, oh, uh, Ezra asks, oh, is she coming this way? And she's like, oh, you know, she doesn't really say anything. It's complicated. And he's like, yeah, it's complicated. Like, that doesn't really say that you think that she's dead. So this whole, the whole dialogue here is just off. Like, the fact that she, he doesn't ask, like, where everyone's been. And the fact that they're making it up that she thought she was dead. I don't know. It just annoys me. Um, my only, yeah, gripe with this is it's just, like, that whole thing makes no sense. Like it's very unrealistic that that would happen. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just can't leave things alone. Like when people, this is just yeah. I'm just just we're fully in a Reese rant here. Here we go. Like when someone says, "Oh, I got to tell you something." This is very high school. Someone says, "Oh, I got to tell you something." You go, "Yeah, what's up?" And you go, "Oh, no, never mind." Like I will find you if you turn away from me right there and leave like i will hunt you down and i will ask you the same thing tell me what the fuck you were about to tell me like because i'm going to assume right now that you're keeping like nuclear codes for me or something of that level of importance like I, my brain cannot leave that alone which is why i'm struggling with this um but yeah <laughs> uh, anyway so yeah, we get the great reunion. It's awesome to see. And then Ezra throws this stinker of a line in saying, guys, I'm getting a feeling. I think I might be going home after all. And that is so Ezra. Like it definitely is. And again, it, it helps tie that character from the cartoon into, sorry, from the animations into this. Um, it's totally what Ezra would say. But the second he says it, I'm like, oh man, what are you doing? Why would you say that? Oh, it's like people on the golf course when they say like, oh, well, you know, you're on like the second hole and they go, oh, weather's nice, isn't it? Like, fuck you. It's about to start raining within half hour because you said that shit. Guys, I'm getting a feeling. I think I might be going home after all. Oh, what a cursive line. Like, he doesn't believe in karma, but he's he's gonna after this. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. It was really good like i did enjoy this episode a lot again a couple gripes there but nothing major like it's it's all been really good the ahsoka show so far is hitting hard and doing so well um yeah just just really enjoying it um couple things on the finale then so following on from the last week's episode i went back and watched the mortis show they comment that they're not in any galaxy so it's totally possible that mortis is its own thing also, the very end of Rebels, I went back and rewatched that, and the portal from the Jedi Temple to get into the world between worlds is guarded by artwork that is alive of the son, the daughter, and the father. So, Mortis, gods, guarding the world between worlds. I'm fairly certain Mortis and the world between worlds are all the same fucking thing. Um, so, yep, so that's another tick in the box for that. Um yeah, I just, I just, I just really see something there. Um, the other thing, yeah, the end of Rebels, we also get to see that Thrawn's ship actually had part of the Jedi Temple inside it. It does get destroyed, but if they're rebuilding everything, it's totally possible that they've rebuilt the Jedi Temple. In fact, it might even be like, yeah, it, it might 
just Throne Ship in general has a bunch of art and and deep secrets within it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't throw any possibilities of something happening on Throne Ship being away. Um, and then yeah, the the Balen Skull Wolf name Sun thing I mentioned. Uh, right. So I'm not going to make any more predictions about the, what the finale is going to be. It is what it's going to be. But I will say I doubt that it's going to wrap up all our questions. And here's why: we have the Ahsoka show. And then here's the other things that we have coming up right now. There's two major things in in the pipeline. So there's a TV show called Skeleton Crew, which is set right after Return of the Jedi in a similar timeline to the Mandoverse um, and what's happening with the Mandalorian. So that is a show that could definitely pick up some slack here, answer some questions we might have at the end of this series. Um, so that's possible. And the other big bad one coming down the line is Dave Filoni, who wrote this show is like the king of star wars um but he wrote the ahsoka show he is directing his first ever movie star wars live action movie coming down the pipeline it's set after return of the jedi during the same time as mandalorian book of boba fett and ahsoka and the only thing we know about it is that this dave filoni movie will tie together the tv shows of mandalorian book of boba fett and ahsoka so these TV shows are going to be left in a questionable place every single time. The Book of Boba Fett leaves us like with so many questions still. The Mandalorian show has left us with so many questions. The Ahsoka show, I have no doubt tomorrow at 10 p.m. when I watch the finale episode, we're going to leave a lot of questions. All of these, there will be questions, but there is a movie coming that I have no doubt will answer the majority. Not all, never all because there's tv comics books there's things that will come and answer everything else eventually but there's a movie coming that's going to connect all these things together so that's important to remember going into the finale anyway i'm tired i'm up early uh thank you everyone for persevering with me through this i know it's probably not as in energetic as we're as we're used to but you know Again, I think that it's important just to get this out there and then we can really dive into the finale as and when we can get that and we'll hopefully get Joel and John back for that too. Um, at least one of them. Who knows? Maybe two of them. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, hope you enjoy the finale. Hope you enjoyed this episode. You can follow us at Pineapple Theory underscore podcast. You stay classy, San Diego. We'll see you fucking later. Good night. <laughs>